0: You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to the Buck Sexton Show. On this episode, we have our friend Chadwick Moore. He is a contributing editor at The Spectator. He is a New Yorker man who knows a thing about some stuff or stuff (laughs) about some things. Chad, good to see you.
1: Hey, Buck. Great to be here.
0: All right, man, let's 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 get into this. First off, you wrote a book. So you've been sent to diversity training. I got to wonder, first of all, have you ever had to go through diversity training? Because I have at many levels. Yes, in college, then in the federal government, then local government, the NYPD. And then, you know, a little bit on the corporate side, not as much. So tell me about this.
1: Oh, I should have interviewed you for the book. Yeah. I, uh, I I did go to a, a four-year public university. So that was four years of diversity training, even, you know, however long ago it was I graduated. Um, but, uh, I've you know, I've, I've been so removed from the corporate world my whole life. I, that was sort of on purpose. I wanted to design my life so I never had to go into an office. So I was really fascinated about what was happening in corporate America, because I think corporate America is sort of interesting in all of its, in all of its. Uh, um, mundane actions and i uh but i did go to diversity training when i was writing for magazines other liberal magazines i went to an nypd diversity training seminar which i included in the book and wrote about I've, that
0: i've uh, i've had to go to one of those because i worked in the intel division but keep going
1: oh yeah yeah they so you know what it was about oh, yeah, yeah that, that was a that was a really uh, fun and interesting experience um, but also that was that diversity training I went to was in 2015 and it was before the summer of our Floyd which of course uh, across the spectrum both in private and in in the public sector diversity training took a really um, nasty hateful and very uh, racialized take after uh, the riots of summer 2020 and after George Floyd's death so a lot of that a lot of the stuff in the book is, um, I was talking to people during this time or immediately right afterwards, so they were noticing how things had changed and how HR had sort of ramped up the uh, really sort of uh, grotesque racial rhetoric that has no place in, well, anywhere in society, but especially on the job and, and in the public sector.
0: So what'd you find? You wrote this book. You researched the book. It's worse yeah. than you thought, right? That's that's. I have a feeling we're going in that <laughs> direction.
1: <laughs> well, it's interesting because you know I like to have fun, so I knew this would be a fun thing to write about to talk about, and I wanted to mock these people. I wanted to talk about the ridiculousness, and I wanted to get uh, everyday people's perspectives. So I talked to guys on oil rigs. I talked to police officers. I talked to guys in the military. Talked to people who work on you know retail sales floors. IT directors. So all walks of life across the economy and just sort of wanted to know like, what's your experience with diversity training? What, what do you think is going on here? And a lot of people were, you know, were are so, um, it's such a part of our society now. They, at first they would sort of say like, well, I don't really know why you care about this stuff. You know, here's what happened, here's what I experienced. And the more they thought about it, the more they remembered, the more they talked about it, the kind of more disturbed they got by what they'd sort of been forced to sit through. And uh, it also it, it's, um, you know, but my favorite was um, uh, this guy who I called Jeremy. Of course, nobody I, I interviewed wanted to be identified by name because they're all scared of being fired from their jobs if they speak about these things. But he uh, worked on an oil rig. He works on an oil rig off, um, the, off of the coast of Newfoundland in Canada, in the Atlantic Ocean. And the first thing he says to me is I, you know, I said, so tell me about what's happening on the job with the diversity train. He said, well, just yesterday we had pink shirt day on the rig. And I'm like, excuse me? Yeah, all these guys in the oil rig had to wear pink shirts for some diversity cause. And this was during COVID, so they hand out pink face masks. And then they had to take pictures of everyone in the pink shirts to send it to corporate because corporate, you know, it's the oil industry. So of course they're uh, in the crosshairs of Canada's liberal government. The the Resources Minister of Canada is from that area. He's the representative from Newfoundland. So they really got to like, you know, cozy up the way that the oil industry in particular, and I documented this not just in Canada, but but around the world. One way the oil industry is, is cozying up to liberal governments is through this diversity stuff. You know, there's uh, gay pride is very big uh, in the oil industry for these guys on oil rigs. They have to wear gay pride t-shirts in June and take a photo. Uh, The Canadian resource minister who I just spoke about, this guy is in charge of, of course, handing out all the drilling contracts. Uh, He's openly gay and it's a big deal for him. So when you start looking at things like that, that's just one example. You start to see really what corporate America gets out of all this stuff. You know, we talk about like, why is corporate America so woke? Obviously, like the C-suite executives are probably conservative. They're probably conservative people, but yet they let their corporations go so completely blindly woke and then you start looking more into the political favors they're trying to gain, gain from it and it starts to make a lot more well, sense. You know, Chad, of I, course, I you, detriment.
0: from what I've seen in in the corporate world and also uh in the administrative upper echelon's and academia and and even within the federal government you know certainly there are there are people there are many different levels of why the politically correct pressure, or the wokeness whatever people want to call it, why it is uh so powerful and one of them is that It's really the only way, like once one person on, let's say, the board of a company is a racial Marxist, let's say, or a gender Marxist, uh, a woke person, everybody else on that board lives in fear because that person wields a certain power that can destroy the reputation and possibly career of everybody else around them. Just, just by that's the power that is wielded in these rooms. So, so yeah, you know, the CEO maybe is a capitalist. Let's just say, and in some of these places, that's not even really the case. But the CEO may be a capitalist. But if his chief marketing officer, and certainly chief of you know diversity, decides that that CEO is insufficiently devoted to the cause, can go to the board and say, "You guys either get rid of the CEO, or you're all racist, bigoted, and and in on it too, right?" And it's very hard to get, for a lot of these places, it's actually hard to get fired. The only way you get fired is by upsetting DEI in HR.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And if there's one thing that that top executives never, ever want, it's to be the subject of a Twitter mob or to have their face in the paper, unless it's, of course, some fluffy business article praising them for great leadership. So they will do anything to avoid that sort of attention. It doesn't matter if they're, what their political... Uh, persuasions are. But you're you're right when you mentioned that one person on the board, because that's just sort of a microcosm for our society that we're living in anyway, where there's the tiny, tiny vocal, but absolutely terrifying minority that has nothing better to do and basically nothing better to live for than to take on these causes because it's somehow feeds them or makes them feel worthwhile or gives their life meaning or whatever. And they have turned it into absolutely a religion uh, and a belief that they enforce with religious fervor, which of course means that anything they do is justified means to the ends and they have no problems whatsoever destroying people's lives and um, uh, going scorched earth for their uh, very strange newfangled uh, social religion.
0: Yeah. I'm fond of reminding people that in the uh, Russian You know, civil war—the beginning of the Soviet Union. You know, there were the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks. The Bolsheviks took on the name majoritarians, essentially, Uh, even though they never represented any majority of, of any part of the society. Really, in fact, the Mensheviks would have had more popular support if anyone actually looked at what was going on in the country at the time. But they called themselves the the majority, and then they were just the most committed, ruthless, insane radicals, and essentially ate all the other fish in the aquarium. <laughs> That's that is how they, you know that is how this stuff plays out. That's how it works. Like it's not actually I think people sometimes confuse um, political even in the corporate world, political power with the agreement or even a majority agreement of everybody involved. Like you have a couple of committed leftist Marxist types in the upper echelons of an a university of a corporation and they can turn the whole place upside down. That that's the actual reality I think that people see. And also the DE on the on the uh, DEI side, you know, they they're hiring and hiring based upon these very explicit criteria of, you know, gender and identity diversity and racial diversity, and all these different things. Well, that has an effect too, right? I mean, the the CEOs of these companies, whether it's, you know, Twitter or Disney, are scared of the 25-year-olds uh, you know, threatening to stage some kind of a walkout and create bad press. I mean, the twenty-five year olds who work for them,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, they are. Uh, yeah, it's it's the, it's the uh, insane bratty children who are running the asylum. And and you know, I I remember this back when I was working in liberal media. and It was you know the uh, the the older editors who were maybe a few years older than me were very liberal but not insane and definitely not woke and and would certainly. Uh, support having a more conservative view in their publications, or at least, you know, willing to do that. Um, and, and, and things that I would write that were maybe more conservative, they defended, but you would see the 25 year olds in the office, literally signing online petitions against publicly against their employers saying that they don't support this. And this is hateful and blah, 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 blah. And uh, it's just so astounding to me, I could never imagine going against your boss like that, even if you disagree. But these young people have absolutely no qualms because they know they have the mob to back them up. Uh, and and back to um, what you're mentioning earlier, not just with Russia. I mean, it's as far as I know, your your background in this is much better than mine. Almost every time there's been some sort of violent, sudden, revolutionary Marxist takeover of any country, it's always been that tiny percent that yes. then pretends that they're a majority.
0: Correct. Every single time. That is, You're 100% correct. That, that is the playbook. These yes. these extreme and they try to co-opt other groups who are more moderate in the beginning. They say, "Yeah, this is about the people and the workers," and then it's, "You do what we say, we control everything, or we we'll line you up against the wall and shoot you." That's always the that's always <laughs> the way that this stuff actually goes. But you know, power oh, to the yeah. people, power to the people. Yep. Sure. Um, I want to ask you, Chad, about the uh the activist LGBTQ community and the gay community specifically, and how this. Drag queen story hour for kids thing is somehow always being turned into the struggle for like by Democrats and by activists. They always compare this to like the struggle for uh, gay rights, and I, yeah. I, I want I want your take on this in in just a second. We'll get into we'll get into this. Okay, friends, uh, I want to prepare you because things are going to get rough out there in the economy. The recent bank failures are the nation's largest collapse of a financial institution since 2008. $200 billion plus was held just in Silicon Valley Bank. So you know you can get rocked right now. And who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. So if you've been on the fence about buying gold and silver, now is the time to make that call and to take action. Gold and silver can be a protection for your portfolio, but can also be used as currency. And we could use them for currency at some point. Why not just have a little gold and silver on hand in case and protect your portfolio? I've got gold and silver here at home. Now is the time to call the Oxford Gold Group. Hear what they have to say. The phone call is free. That's who I get my gold and silver from. Securing your IRA or 401k with real gold and silver is a portfolio protection plan, and Oxford Gold has made, made it as easy as 123. One app, one call, and you pick your precious metals. That's it. You now own real precious metals just like I do. Mine came from the Oxford Gold Group, like I said, years ago. So I've done really well. I'm going to keep doing well. Call the Oxford Gold Group today about our additional free bonus opportunities you could be eligible for. 833-404-GOLD. Get some gold and silver today. You know, inflation, gold and silver, you want to hedge? 833-404-G-O-L-D. All right, Chad, explain this to me. As a gay man, what is the response of the The uh, majority, would you say, of your friends who are also from the LGBTQ community when you have Joe Biden say, you know, we have to do about transgender surgery for kids. We have to, you know, do a thing like we did for marriage equality. And I'm sitting here and I just I'm like a 13 year old having puberty blockers and a double mastectomy because she thinks that she's actually a man is a very different thing than two consenting adults who want to get married i mean i think whatever one thing i think that's pretty straightforward but there's always this effort to connect these things
1: yeah so the the reaction of 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 the gays you know publicly is obviously uh petrified silence because of course they're terrified of saying anything that goes against Once again, that vocal minority we were just discussing, but privately, um, it's horrifying. Any, I mean, not just any, I mean, any normal, sane person, and of course, there are plenty, not all, but plenty of of normal, sane gay people would look at this on so many levels as the disgusting Joseph Mangala level experiment that it is on children, this transgender mutilation, mutilating, excuse me, of kids. One thing, though, that is sort of particular to the to the gays that they uh, rarely almost never would say in public, but absolutely 100 percent say in private is this looks like conversion therapy. It looks like medicalized conversion therapy. It look you see, I think you see a lot of gay people saying like, you know, I was. Uh, maybe a more effeminate little boy, or maybe I was a more butch little girl, like a little tomboy. And what if I had had some Harvard professor parents that said, well, you know, you can be a boy or you can be the other sex if you actually want. You might actually be that. How would I have reacted? I probably would have said, oh, yeah, that sounds great. Yes, let's do it. And then absolutely, you know, uh, signed yourself up for a life of um, medical dependency and mutilation and sterility and, and everything that comes with that and psychological care. So it's really scary and disgusting on that. And, you know, another thing that's interesting is the country in the world that performs the most sex change operations. Well, the second most versus Thailand, the, first, the country that performs the second most sex change operations is Iran, where, of course, it's illegal to be gay. They will kill you. And the reason for that is the government base for sex change operations because they look at it as a cure for your homosexuality. Uh, so that's interesting when we're thinking about what's happening here. Uh, with the left, with this whole it's it's so bizarre because the people who are pushing this stuff it's uh it's it's mostly trans old trans activists who uh started too late so they don't quite look the way they think that they should look, think that if they had just started as children, their lives would be perfect and then you have straight people and particularly straight liberal moms that are really pushing this it 's almost like they want a little Uh, transgender pet that they can show off at cocktail parties. They wanna feel special and and unique and diverse by having this in their family. Maybe it's like a kind of Munchausen syndrome by proxy. I don't know. But you have these parents who are pushing this and it's so pathetic and so strange. And you see these moms taking their kids to drag shows. Like they believe, and and I truly think that they believe it's some sort of uh, civil rights crusade that they're embarking on by taking their children, their toddlers, to see half-naked gay clowns dancing around to pop music. They almost think like they're marching on Selma or something. It's super strange, but the only thing that does, same with the trans stuff, the drag queen story hour, it hurts gay rights, it hurts gay people. You might have very conservative people who have no problem with gays. They got a gay neighbor, a gay hairdresser, who knows. No problem, live and let live attitude. But then you have this being forced upon society and this becomes a face of gay now. You have to bring your kids to a drag show. And no one can support that. It actually creates uh, more discord and mis- more hatred if there is any towards the gay community.
0: It, it's something, it, it, it's a truly bizarre and, and sick situation. I also think it's interesting that like so many arguments made by the left and by the activist class of the left, um, they went from this isn't really happening, why are you so focused on it, to now it's all over the place. I mean, the, the attorney general for the state of New York... Leticia James is sponsoring a drag queen story hour for children. Right? Okay. So, so we're we're way past this. Oh, why are you talking about it? It's not really a thing. No, no, they've made this a thing. And you know, if if a normal like day, you know, if if a thirty five year old woman wanted to wear fishnets and a thong and shake her butt in front of five year olds. Literally, as we see in these videos and things like four or five year olds with their parents, you know, there, I would think there was something deeply wrong with that woman, a man with like, you know, is is <laughs> I mean, I can't with the, the fishnets and like, you know, the man thighs and everything else shaking his behind in front of small children like this is grotesque. Yeah. and And yet. If you if you have any, you know, Antifa has started showing up protecting these these things as well. I mean, this, this has become a central cause for the left. And what, what's amazing is that if you take it all the way up to the White House level, I mean, Joe Biden, Mr. Like, I'm a union guy from Delaware, centrist, moderate Democrat grandpa, which is all bullcrap. But that's his whole that was the whole branding pitch. He's on board with Drag Queen Story Hour for kids and for drag shows for children.
1: Yeah, um, and I keep finding myself thinking, you know, like, uh, like I love drag as adult nightlife entertainment. You know, I love, uh, yeah, I love the, the the campiness, and I love, you know, the ribaldry, and I do think that you do have some talented drag queens out there. I know the a lot of straight guys over. who
0: really enjoy going to what oh, they yeah. might call it can, it can be a cabaret fun. with Absolutely. ladies that are not really much in clothing on and who dance. Sometimes people yeah. put dollar bills, but they're adults.
1: Right, of course. And, and I just, I, well, I never thought I'd see either of these things in my lifetime. This bringing children into it is so sick and weird. I tried to grapple with like, who are these drag queens that are doing this that would actually perform in front of children? And the best thing I can come up with is, I mean, first, if you watch the videos and you know anything about drag, like, they're not at they're, they're not the top of the totem pole when it comes to talent. They're kind of like the lower like booger drag queens. So there's that, they're probably really poor. They're probably like, oh, I need 50 bucks and these, uh, this library is gonna pay me to show up. They're probably uh, extremely low IQ. They're not very smart people. But also in their mind, I, I, I can't, I'm gonna give the benefit of the doubt and say that they're not all pedophiles. And I know that a lot on the right, it's this whole rhetoric against grooming, which is, you know, a very rural, real thing, especially when you see a lot of teachers, I have to believe that they're not all pedophiles and they're just sort of stupid and poor. And also, I would think that they have some thing in the back of their mind. Where they think that there's some gay kid in the room that's going to see them and then feel more comfortable. So they think they're doing some sort of good service. Or they also justify it on the grounds of, well, I'm sort of dressed like Beyonce would be dressed and they probably see Beyonce doing this on TV, so it's fine. That doesn't excuse any of it. It's grotesque, and children shouldn't even be seeing Beyonce doing that. But I struggle to, under, I, I struggle to understand why anyone would sign up to perform for children in that manner.
0: Can, can I like, have you? I
1: get you, the parents who are
0: doing this. and, yeah, and, and you I don't
1: even. I them, but I understand their psychology, and I think they're pathetic for
0: it. it but if the, if the response to this was, you know, from, from the activists and the left and whatever was, all right all right, all right, all right, all right, fine. You know, no more with the kids. We're just going to do. No one's complaining about drag shows for adults. That's like not even a thing. And they like to pretend that it's anti-LGBTQ and anti-trans. There is nobody on the right who is making noise because we weren't making noise about drag shows, you know, the last 20 years. Nobody cares. Fine. Some people like it. Some people go to it. That's fine. They're adults. For children. We're talking about for kids. And what's interesting is that they double down on it. You know, even oh, when yeah. and now it has been called out, they're saying no. This is imp- I mean, the attorney general for New York State, right? I mean, this is not some fringe political figure. Uh, it, it's it's really it's it's crazy what's what's going on. Um, and I I think yeah. that uh, go ahead. Uh,
1: no, uh, well, I was I was uh um no, no I think I lost my share of thought. Um, they oh oh yeah yeah. Well, in the same vein, also they absolutely love it. They absolutely love it because they can cry hatred and oppression you know now it's um you know you see like uh, what's that show rupaul's drag race i haven't watched a long time but you know all their posts are like drag is under attack now in this country it's like no it's not it's just the children mm-hmm. but they love this because they desperately need fundraising they desperately need uh things to uh uh to 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 whine about they need
0: issues they need things that they, they can say issues. and they can they claim victim issues. status and yes. but what i was going to say is you know the the same the same thing kind of happens with the books that are in some of the kids' libraries. They always say the Ron DeSantis, for example, in Florida, is banning books. Yeah. That's just a lie. <laughs> it would be like saying we're yeah. trying to talk about banning drag. No one's trying to ban drag shows. It's about the appropriateness of a of content for children. And did you see? That he did a press. It was brilliant. Ron DeSantis did a press conference. They started to put up on the screen photos of some of the books. <laughs> that were in, that were being <laughs> yeah. given to these kids from their school sharing, you know, uh, sharing wall, library whatever they have and it was so pornographic that the news cameras had to turn off.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, oh, the the left crying about book burning is my favorite thing ever. They're suddenly care about speech when it's Uh, pornographic graphic novels for five years old. Oh, now they care about speech. But don't you dare crack a joke on Twitter because then you deserve what you're getting as well as to be fired from your job. Just wonderful, just wonderful. Uh, And I remember the left, this whole recent spate of banning books in schools started with the left, I believe, and it was books like Huck Finn and these American classics that use words that are now outdated. And now now they're editing them after the fact.
0: As you know, they're going back, they're changing Roald Dahl, they're changing... uh, Um, Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain, uh, you know, they're they're changing these different these different authors. Um, you mentioned something, by the way, joke on Twitter, not seeing a lot of ch- Chad, for those of you who don't know, used to used to throw fiery bombs all over the place on Twitter. <laughs> We're not seeing as much these days. I want to ask what's going on there. Um, but I've got I've got to switch gears for a moment here for a word from our sponsor, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Tunnel to Towers Foundation does amazing and incredibly important work. They honor fallen and severely injured heroes and their families with mortgage-free homes. This year alone, hundreds of Gold Star and fallen first responder families with young children and our nation's most severely injured veterans and first responders are receiving homes. More than 500 homeless veterans received housing and services last year, and more than 1,500 are receiving housing and services this year. This coming Memorial Day, all of the brave men and women lost since 9-11 in the War on Terror are having their names read aloud in a Tunnel the Towers ceremony in our nation's capital. Through the Tunnel the Towers 9-11 Institute, the foundation is educating kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Please help America to never forget its greatest heroes. Join me in donating $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at t2t.org, that's t, the number 2, t.org. All right, chat. Back to Twitter for a second here. Yeah. Hey, where where you been, buddy? You're not you're not really you're not really throwing down anymore. What's going on?
1: I I'm not. Man, you know what I mean? Okay, well, I'm, 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 I'm on book leave. I'm writing another book, which has been insane. I can't, I don't think I can really talk about what it's about. But, um, uh, but uh at the same time, I've just been so burned out on social media. You know, I realized, Buck, I'll tell you what I realized. I'm almost forty, and I realized that I never really enjoyed it, and I always felt like I just really had to be. on. Also, I'm an emotional tweeter, so like I just bang things out when I'm feeling it in the moment, and I'm gonna point where I'm like. I don't give a shit, and I. Oh, sorry, I don't know if I can cuss on here. I don't care, and you know I'm just like, eh. I don't want to read these replies. Whatever. I'm also kind of um. I'm taking I'm taking the approach of embracing boomer media. I just love books and magazines and TV and radio. I mean, what can I say? I I, 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 I'm doubling down on old media. That's what I'm thinking. And and social media, it's. I mean, Elon Musk obviously has done a better service to this country than any politician has in I don't know how many years by purchasing Twitter. Uh, If if he stands by everything that's, that he's yeah. been doing, well, he's but, even just
0: exposing oh. that it was a total, that it was a totally rigged game, that it was this yeah. playground of, of left-wing ideological uh, bias uh, always. And, right. and at all times, um, but I, I also feel like there are so many of these platforms now and everyone, is just, it's you're it's all, you're all sort of dis, you know, you're disaggregated. I mean, you're, it's just like, what you're, are you going to be posting on TikTok? This is what people tell me, like you should post more on Instagram. I'm like, what? I'm doing three hours of radio a day. I gotta prep for that show. I you know, I'm you know, I'm writing a book actually. So I can't talk about it either. Uh, but I got a book underway. I got things I'm you know, I'm gonna be taking photos of what? My breakfast? Like I am not delusional, I'm not sitting here taking all these like selfies like, hey everybody, like check me out. So Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook, by the way. I, what is Facebook anymore? I haven't been on my personal Facebook account in like six years at this point. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, th- who's still on there? I I, I I have to go on there occasionally for, for a client and like check the Facebook. And I'm just like, what is going on here? Who even runs it? Who's looking at this stuff? It's so bizarre. Just even log on. Well, what
0: Facebook. do you think happens? I mean, do you think it's, are we going to have more of a consolidation in, you know, it's funny because they keep saying they're going to ban TikTok. This is what they're always talking about. I don't understand. I feel like we should be able to figure out a way where the data is stored on US servers, the Chinese don't have access to it, you know, full stop and there's full transparency. Like I everyone keeps saying, Oh, they're gonna program our kids and Beijing's gonna see all this. And I'm like, uh, do you guys know what our kids are being programmed with anyway? I mean, like, I just you know, I, I think that I don't really see the argument if you can create some stopgap where, yeah, I mean, we don't want all this data sitting on on servers in Beijing or whatever. Um, it would be very easy if it was on US servers to know if Chinese were, were accessing this in any, in any meaningful way. But I think there's like 100 million people on TikTok or something now um, in the in the U.S. I mean, there's some crazy high number, much higher than I thought. Young people are all on it and we're going to get rid of it. And I, I'm sitting here saying, so what? what is that? What's left at that point? I mean, Twitter's got some problems. I love what Elon's trying to do, but it's just technologically got issues right now.
1: I don't know. I mean, I think we're like like is TikTok just going to disappear overnight the way that um Oh, Snapchat Brent, still around? Friendster. I feel like nobody Snapchat, Snapchat, yeah, is, still Snapchat is still a
0: thing. Snapchat is still a thing. thing. Okay, st-
1: I I didn't even know Snapchat was still a thing, but I remembered it was the thing. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong
0: and Getty show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump, couple of wars, gender bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty on demand on America's number one podcast network iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. I always knew Snapchat was going to fall apart because this whole thing about like putting like cat ears on yourself once you're older. (laughs) By the way, I use this even even back when I was a single man, you know. And you would see like people's on on their Instagram that their photos, and some of them would use their Snapchat stuff on it, you know, where they have like the you know, the dog nose or the cat ears or whatever. I'm like, you're, right. tw- I'm like, you're 28, 29 years. You're, you're out, you know, you're out of the running. Like <laughs> oh, no totally. one looks red, good yeah, with like fake blog, Red flag. Yeah. If you're 12 <laughs> years old, you can have your little cat filter from Snapchat. But you know, once you <laughs> right. get to be an adult, there's, so I, I, I always thought that Snapchat was, was preposterous. And all oh, the other thing too, is I was like, Hey, this, it all disappears. It's the internet. It doesn't disappear. It goes right. somewhere. They have whatever you're sending, it goes somewhere. So that was the other part of this. It's like, oh, people were like, you can just send whatever photos. I want to be like, ah, I wouldn't do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, don't worry. It's going to be
0: totally gone. No one's storing it yeah. somewhere in a black yeah. later. So, yeah, no, I, I just I, I wonder, you know, I feel like we, we've had in some ways it's almost like we finally broke into the party here. You know, we finally got past the bouncers for social media on the right after being really shut out for the last few years. And this party is looking kind of dead right now. There's not a lot going on. The kegs are running dry. You know, they've switched from a live band to like the, you know, (laughs) the, the, the schlumpy DJ. It's not good.
1: It's true. And maybe a part of that is that the left is more, uh, they're not as fun right now because um, they're, well, they're subdued because they got their guy in office, but also they're seeing how crazy and insane everything is. So they don't have that fervor they did during the Trump years, which made it so fun to torment them and, and see what sort of crazy things they're saying maybe if we have a republican president after this one then the left will get newly entertaining and social media did great get, again.
0: but did you get know. some trump retweets back in the day
1: no i never got a trump retweet oh i was gosh. so upset by that so did i'll you just tell you some? this was
0: the i got I, I there was i got six trump retweets in a row once <gasps> <laughs> so it was oh! like a, it was like my trump's twitter wow. feed was just buck sexted and and it was funny because I remember I got like weird text messages from people who I don't know from work anymore, you know, from from media world anymore, or whatever, like high school classmates were like, hey, man, like, I guess the big guy really like, you know, and I was sitting here. I was like, what is this? But the best part of it was that in the, the, that was the high point of Twitter in a lot of ways, even though the left was cheating and doing all kinds of stuff and they used it to steal the election. And that's a whole other conversation. But the one of the high points of it was. That if you got in the Trump, even if you didn't get a retweet from him, but if you just kind of got into that like Trump hashtag world, all of a sudden some like uh, third tier actor from like 1994 that you saw in some B action movie would be like talking smack to you. You're like, wait, you (laughs) like like, how, how did this happen? Like the guy from one of the guys from one of those SVU shows was like, yeah, like maybe if you actually loved your country, bub. And I'm like, wait, yeah. what? It's like, aren't you like uh yeah. aren't you like, you know, de- 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 detective, you know, Spicoli or something? Like what like how did this happen?
1: I remember when I got like a a retweet or a follow from not so not not a mean one, but a nice one, I guess it went from Kato Kalen.
0: Oh yeah. From the OJ trial? Oh, Kato love well, awesome, I He loves like, my Twitter.
1: Kato Kalen, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that was Kato one of my Kalin like great. like childhood.
0: Dude, I, I had—I mean, he's—he's uh, he's obviously well established in conservative circles. But through Twitter, I got to know um, Kevin Sorbo because I used to love the Hercules Legendary oh, yeah. Journey shows when I was a, when I was a kid. I thought that was a lot because I love Greek mythology. Um, some other fun ones like other Twitter people. I mean, James Woods. James Woods is one of the only people who on Twitter. I mean, I, I'm like I'm agreeing with all of his tweets, but sometimes I'm kind of like, oh. That's like a that's like a curb stomp, like ah, like it hurts to watch that, you know? You right. know they have some of those videos where like a you know like a, a a gymnast will fall a certain way or something, and they just like and you're just or, or even more skaters, a skater will you yeah. know hit the rail, and you just or like those just,
1: gym videos where they break an arm like mid curl, like some of, some of snaps. the James Woods yeah. tweets
0: against the libs, I, I just felt bad <laughs> for the libs. I was like, oh man. He, he goes, he went, yeah. <laughs> he went rough in the paint. Like that's a guy that threw some elbows back in the day. So anyway, there's so
1: much talent on Twitter. There's so many people who are so good at Twitter that it is an amazing thing. Definitely. You know what I mean? I hope uh, they bring
0: it back so and, and it gets to be I fun. Like so it, too. like it used to be, it's got all these problems now, but we'll see. But Chadwick will we'll come see. back if it's fun. Maybe he'll make it fun. Where should everybody go to find your book?
1: uh unfortunately amazon uh, i know a lot of people have a problem with that but that's where it is it wasn't my decision uh so you go to amazon so you've been sent to diversity training you can find my columns at Spectatorworld.com or all things me on my website chadwickmore.com
0: chadwick you're a good man we'll talk to you again soon thanks so much you're the best buck thank you since 9-11 the tunnel the to towers foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans heroes who put their lives on the line for our communities and our country, heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan Turnbull. Major Turnbull sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber. The complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye, he needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers paid off his mortgage and gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. He moves around his home more easily now. His home also gives him hope.